chapter 22 and verse number 17. Revelation 22 and verse 17. We have several Bible passages to look at together this morning here in the next several minutes. Ever since Youth Rally, most of our lessons have revolved in one way or another around the topic of witnessing and the Great Commission. And Lord willing, we're going to continue along that theme really for the next few months probably and the topic for this morning, listed at the top of your outline on the back of your bulletin, is the Holy Spirit and witnessing. The Holy Spirit and witnessing. Beginning with this passage in Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, God is winding down what he had to say to man in the scripture. And toward the very end of the very last chapter, we find this Statement, Relation 22, 17, and the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit of God, third member of the Godhead of the Trinity, and the Spirit and the Bride, the Bride being the church, the Bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the assembled body of believers, the Spirit and the Bride say, come, and let him that heareth say, Come and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. The Spirit says, Come. The bride says, Come. Whosoever will, let him come. Think about this with me. Scripturally, the Lord is not willing that any should perish. 2 Peter 3 9. God's will is that all should be saved. And come to the knowledge of the truth. 1 Timothy 2.4 God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ, propitiation for our sins, not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. God wants everyone saved. Whosoever will. The question is not the will of God. The question is the will of man. If a man does not choose to trust in Jesus Christ, his will will trump God's will because God has given that man freedom of choice, a free will to choose whether or not to come and take the water of life. But God wants everyone to be saved, but the only way for anyone to be saved is to hear the gospel so they can believe the gospel so they can call on the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not going to read the passages, but we have that progression in Romans chapter 10. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? Ephesians 1 says, you trusted Christ after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. You believe the gospel. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. And so since God wants all the world to be saved, since anyone who believes can be saved since they have to hear in order to believe. That's why Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Okay, that is our great commission. We are to be witnesses under the uttermost part of the earth. We are to carry the gospel message so that all may hear, so that all may know, so that all may have an opportunity to experience the saving grace of God and receive the free gift of eternal life. There's nothing that matters more than our job in fulfilling the Great Commission. 
And it's evident from the verse that we just read and many more that we'll read this morning that we, the church, the bride of Christ, listen, we are working in conjunction with and in cooperation with the Holy Spirit of God. In this job of witnessing, in this task of the Great Commission, in this mission of bringing lost souls to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, there is a part that the believer has to play, and there is a part that the Holy Spirit has to play. And the believer and the Holy Spirit are working together in tandem, which is such a blessing on a number of levels that hopefully we'll be able to let you see this morning. So the Spirit says come, the bride says come, the two are working together. We want to see that cooperation as we trace this thought through the scripture. Come to John 16. Let's talk about the part of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16. John chapter 16. In bringing lost souls to Jesus Christ for salvation, what part does the Holy Spirit play? First of all, the job of the Holy Spirit is to convict the sinner, to convict the sinner. Secondly, the job of the Holy Spirit is to impart the new birth, to convict the sinner and to impart the new birth. Let's read these quickly. John 16, 7, Jesus is speaking to his disciples about his departure and his sending of the Holy Spirit. And he says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world. Okay, so this is his job in the world. The world being the lost souls in the world. He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. The job of the Holy Spirit is to convict and convince the sinner. Then John chapter 3, verses 3 through 8. John chapter 3. Verses 3 through 8, Christ's conversation with Nicodemus, who came to him by night with some questions he needed answered. Jesus answered, verse 3, and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 5, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Verse 7, marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Verse 8, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Born of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit regenerates the sinner. The Holy Spirit imparts the new birth. The Holy Spirit is the agent of salvation delivering this to the sinner who calls on Jesus Christ. He convicts and he brings about the new birth. What is the job of the believer? Come to Acts chapter 1. Read these verses and then we'll put the two together. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. Acts chapter 1. And verse 8 says, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and in the most part of 
the earth. What is the job of the believer? Number one, to bear witness to the saving grace of God, to testify, to open our mouths, to declare the gospel, to publish glad tidings. We are to spread the message that Christ died, was buried, and rose again, and salvation is only available through him to bear witness to the saving grace of God. Number two, look at 1 Peter 1.23. 1 Peter 1.23. The Bible says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Verse 25, But the word of the Lord endureth forever. This is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. So what is the job of the believer? Number one, to bear witness to the saving grace of God. Number two, to declare the word of God. To declare God's word. Here you go, Cam. To declare the gospel. Oh, just out of your reach. My bad. So let's put the two together, okay? The Holy Spirit is sent into the world to convict of sin and bring about the new birth. But here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. The New Testament tells us that the Holy Spirit takes up residence within the believer. The Holy Spirit is not a force that is floating throughout the earth. The Holy Spirit is a person who lives within the saved, born-again child of God. So how is the Holy Spirit going to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment if the Holy Spirit is not in the world, the Holy Spirit is in us? That's why God left us in the world and told us to witness because it's only as we go into all the world and preach the gospel that the Holy Spirit can do his job, which is reprover of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Okay, How is the Holy Spirit going to bring about the new birth, John 3, 8, if we don't go and preach the word of God, 1 Peter 1, 25, which also brings about the new birth, 1 Peter 1, 23, being born again, not a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. You can't have a new birth without the word of God. How can the Holy Spirit bring the new birth if we don't declare the word of God? Okay, so here's the summary of what we're saying this morning. We need the Holy Spirit in order to do our job. But the Holy Spirit needs us in order to do His job. We cannot do what we are called to do, and that is bear witness to the saving grace of God, unless we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that is why God has given each one of us his Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit cannot do what it is His job to do unless we go and proclaim the gospel. It, it is this mutual cooperation in the work of evangelism. The Holy Spirit in witnessing is absolutely essential. The, the job cannot be done without Him and without his influence, but he can't do the job unless we're willing and obedient to do what Jesus said, and that is go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, let's see this in the book of Acts, chapter 5, verse 29. Acts chapter 5 and verse number 29. And this really is a blessing, and we'll, we'll get to that application 
as we move through and or as we conclude this morning. Acts chapter 5 verse 29, then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. And that's a good rule to live by. Verse 30, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Peter just preached the gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our sins. Verse 31, him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior. For to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Look at verse 32. And we are his witnesses of these things. Peter's fulfilling that statement. He is in the process of witnessing to them, telling them what Jesus did and why he did it and what they need to do. We are his witnesses of these things, but the verse is not over. And so is also the Holy Ghost. So we are witnessing, and the Holy Ghost is witnessing. But how is the Holy Ghost witnessing whom God hath given to them that obey him? The Holy Spirit doesn't go door to door. The Holy Spirit doesn't stand on the street corner. The Holy Spirit doesn't buy billboards and airtime and post YouTube videos with the gospel. The Holy Spirit indwells believers and empowers them to do everything they can to let people know Jesus died, was buried, rose again, will forgive your sins if you'll repent and trust in him he'll be your savior it's the holy spirit and the believer working together in tandem so also is the holy ghost look at first corinthians chapter three and verse number six. First corinthians chapter three and verse six back up one more to verse number five first corinthians three and verse 5, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. We, we can't take any credit to ourselves. God gets all the glory. He's the one who saves the sinner. The Holy Spirit brings about the new birth. But listen, we all have a part to play. Somebody's got to plant, somebody's got to water for God to give the increase. Verse 7, so then, neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Again, humility is thinking rightly about yourself, and the Bible is there to help us with that. Verse number 8, now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. It's a little bit off topic, something we mentioned in the youth meeting in Port Kaituma, but something to bring up again in relation to this passage this morning. We're we are in the context talking about the judgment seat of Christ. When our works will be tried to determine what rewards that we have for all of eternity, right? And two outcomes, either you receive a reward or you suffer loss. Not of salvation, you don't lose your salvation. You lose out on the chance to have rewards to cast at the feet of Jesus Christ. Now, what is the basis of those rewards? Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own Labor. God's not going to ask you if you did what I did for him. God's not going to ask me if I did what you did for him. God's going to try and test and judge and determine whether or not each of us has done what he gave each of us to do for him. God gave you a specific set of talents and abilities and opportunities. He wants you to use those to the fullest for his glory and honor. 
God gave me a different set of talents and abilities and opportunities. He wants me to use what he has given me to the fullest capacity for his honor and glory. We're not in competition. We're not comparing ourselves. We're each trying to do what each of us can do for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that'll be the basis of the day of judgment. But verse 9, we wanted to get to, for we are laborers, look at this, for we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. This, the, the, the part of the Holy Spirit in witnessing does not mean that we do not need to labor. But the part of the Holy Spirit in witnessing means that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. <laughs> Okay, there's something we have to do. There is a responsibility that we have to embrace. There is a part that that is essential, a role for us to fill. But we're not by ourselves in this. Success is not dependent upon our power, our might, our ability, our persuasion, our labor, our efforts. We need to be faithful. We need to be obedient. We need to be willing. We need to be zealous. We, but it doesn't depend on us. The power doesn't come from us. It comes from the Lord from the gospel, from the Holy Spirit. We're laborers together with God. What that ought to do for us is take some of the pressure off. We're not responsible for the results. We're responsible for our obedience. We're not responsible for saving souls. We're responsible for opening our mouths. We want to be as effective as possible. We want to be as efficient as possible. We want want to have the fullness of the Holy Spirit as much as possible. But look, the Holy Spirit can be trusted to do His job if we can be trusted to do our job. We are laborers together with God. What does the Holy Spirit do for the believer in regards to witnessing? Number one, He empowers us to be His witnesses. That's Acts 1.8. We read it already. Ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now listen, if you're saved, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You have the power you need to proclaim the gospel. The Holy Spirit does that. He empowers us to be His witnesses. That eliminates our excuses. That invalidates our justification for our failure to open our mouths and proclaim the saving grace of of God. We have the Holy Spirit, which means we have the power we need to do what we've been given to do. He empowers us. But number two, not only does he empower us to be his witnesses, he empowers our witness. He empowers us to be his witnesses. He empowers our witness, and those are different, having given us the strength we need to obey him and to follow him and to proclaim the gospel he'll then take our efforts and bless them and use them for his honor and his glory number three the holy spirit grants us boldness the holy spirit grants us boldness and in order to fill the great commission we're going to need some boldness some courage some strength And the Holy Spirit will give that to us. Number four, the Holy Spirit grants us utterance. The Holy Spirit grants us utterance. Let's see these points 
in the New Testament. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 5. You can read the record of the founding of the church at Thessalonica in Acts chapter 17. It was a mighty work of God in a very pagan and heathen city with much opposition to the gospel, and yet the gospel made great strides. Many were saved, quickly discipled, and grew into strong and victorious Christians. And how did all that take place? First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power. It was effective. How? And in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. How did the gospel make such an impact in the lives of the believers in Thessalonica? Because the Holy Ghost got involved in it. Not only did Paul and Barnabas, or Paul, I'm sorry, and Silas have power from the Holy Spirit to go to Thessalonica and preach, but when they preached, the Holy Spirit empowered what was preached and made it effective in the lives of the people who heard it. Come to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4 and verse 29. This matches up with point number 3. The Holy Spirit grants us boldness. Acts chapter 4 and verse number 29. The Bible says, this and now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Hold on for a second. Let's put this in context. The the apostles in Acts chapter four. It's not that they were made fun of. It's not that they had a door slammed in their face. It's not that somebody ripped up a gospel tract. It's not that somebody ignored them and pretended they didn't exist when they tried to witness them. That. That's not what they're facing. That's not why they're asking for boldness. The reason they're asking for boldness is because they are being beaten and imprisoned for declaring the gospel. Some of them are going to be killed. That's the context in which they live. And they are going to God and saying, look at what we're facing. Look at what they have threatened. Listen to what they have said. God, you are going to have to help us and give us boldness. That was their prayer request. Verse 30, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Now, there are some churches that will teach you the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is that you speak with other tongues, gibberish, that cannot be understood. It's a heavenly language only you and God know. And that's not what Acts chapter 4 says. Acts 4 says the evidence that your life has been filled with the Holy Ghost of God is that you will speak with boldness. You will proclaim the gospel with boldness. You will. What does wine do? What does alcohol do to someone? It gives them liquid courage to say things they would not otherwise say, to do things they would not otherwise do. It alters, it overcomes even their inborn personality traits, and that's what the Holy Spirit will do for us. It will give us some courage to do what we wouldn't otherwise do and to say what we wouldn't otherwise say and to overcome whatever whatever shortcomings we feel we have in our personality, the Holy Spirit will grant boldness. Now, when does the Holy Spirit grant boldness? When we obediently go out to proclaim the gospel. The Holy Spirit will be there. The Holy Spirit will give us the boldness we need when we go obediently, not before. We don't sit 
and wait for the Holy Spirit to fill us and give us boldness, and then we go. The Holy Spirit gives us boldness when we go. And that's an important difference that we need to understand. But when you go, the boldness will be there. Look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. The Holy Spirit also grants us utterance. The Holy Spirit grants us utterance. Ephesians 6, 18. Praying always, with all, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching there too with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, here's Paul's personal prayer request, and for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. He said similarly in Colossians 4 and verse Number three, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 4. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. How does the answer to that prayer take place? Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, which interesting in this context, the whole deal with tongues is not to impress people with how spiritual you are. The, the, the true biblical gift of tongues is so people from other languages could hear and understand the gospel. Okay, You're not convincing me you're speaking with tongues because you get up in a hyped up church service and rattle off a bunch of gibberish. Okay, The purpose for the gift in the New Testament was so that people could hear the gospel. Here's what happened in Acts 2. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They went out to preach the gospel. These were um, these, the, the, these men in Jerusalem were preaching in their language, but people from all over the world were hearing it in the language that they spoke. Here was the gift of tongues in Acts chapter 2. Uh, the, the speaker spoke in one language, and the Holy Spirit was the interpreter in a dozen different languages. Incredible miracle that took place so that the gospel could reach the entire world on the day of Pentecost. But Acts chapter 2, verse 4, about a door of utterance. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Paul said, pray for me for a door of utterance. Where does that door of utterance come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit. If you will pray for open doors, the Holy Spirit will open some doors for you to be a witness and give someone the gospel. Here's another way in which that works. John 14, 26. John 14 and verse number 26. And if, if you've done much witnessing, you've experienced what I'm about to talk about. John 14, 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. All right? Here's what's going to happen. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost... And if you're going out to preach the gospel and you're boldly uh, looking for opportunities to witness and have conversations about Jesus Christ, people will ask you questions or people will challenge or oppose you. And there will be times when, when you will not know where the answer you just gave came from. And I'm telling you, it came from the Holy Spirit. He'll remind you of a verse you didn't remember that you knew when you need that verse to help somebody understand the gospel. 
He will put words in your mouth that you didn't know you had there when you need them because you're trying to win somebody to Jesus Christ. It's an incredible experience, but exactly what Jesus said, he shall bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I've said unto you. The Holy Spirit, listen, Jesus said, I am with you always, even in the end of the world. When he gave the great commission, he's with us in the person of the Holy Spirit who indwells us and who fills us and who grants us boldness and utterance when we go to proclaim the gospel. Let's, let's, kind of summarize and put together what we've said with this string of verses. Come Romans 1 quickly, uh, winding down this morning, Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse number 16, a verse that you well know. Romans 1 and verse 16. The Bible says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, what? The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, the Jew first and also the Greek. Here's what it didn't say, and it's a blessing. It didn't say that the witness is the power of God to salvation. It didn't say that the preacher is the power of God unto salvation. It didn't say that the Christian is the power of God unto salvation. It said, the Bible says, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It is, it is a supernatural Thing. When believed, the gospel saves the soul and changes the life. Titus chapter 1, verse number 2. Titus chapter 1, and verse number 2. Lots of turning in your Bibles this morning. Some sword drill practice, I guess. Titus 1, verse number 2. It is in the New Testament, Riley right after Timothy. Titus 1, verse 2, In hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed to me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Okay, so the gospel is the power of God of salvation, everyone that believeth, but how is that power going to be manifested? That power is manifested when the gospel is preached, because it can't be believed unless it's preached, and it's not going to be preached unless those who know it and have believed it declare it to a lost and dying world in due times manifested his word through preaching. Come to 1 Corinthians 1, and then we'll wrap it up. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 18 says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Verse 21, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Zechariah 4, 6, I'll quote, will not turn, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Here's what we're saying this morning. Every one of those 9,000 gospel tracts that got passed out over the last six weeks, not in vain. The Holy Spirit can take and use that in a way that he couldn't if we didn't go out and pass out 9,000 gospel tracts. Every person that you witnessed to over the course of the past six weeks and the people you will witness to in the coming weeks, it's not in vain. 
If, if we will simply go, listen, we don't have to be a Bible scholar to be a witness. We need to study the Bible. We need to be ready as best we can. We need to learn what questions need to be answered. We need to have some diligence to go and find the answers. But listen, you don't have to have all the answers to witness. The Holy Spirit can use you. Holy Spirit can use you. You don't have to be saved for 20 years in order to witness. You've got to know the gospel and be willing to declare it and share it and proclaim it. It's not about our people skills. It's not about our Bible knowledge. It's not about our powers of persuasion. It's not about our speaking ability. Well, I'm just not good talking to people. I'm not very outgoing. My personality, I'm shy, I'm timid, I'm this, I'm that. Listen, the Holy Spirit is involved if and when we get involved by obediently and faithfully proclaiming the gospel. We want to be effective. We want to be ready. We don't want to hinder the work of the Holy Spirit in any way, but we're completely dependent on his power and he can more than make up for whatever deficiencies we think we have so long as we open our mouths to make known the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit and witnessing, he's got a job. We've got a job. He can't do his job if we don't do our job. And he's with us to help us to do our job for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Helps to take this lesson to heart, apply it, and use it, and uh, go tell others about Jesus Christ. Thank you for so great a salvation. Help us not keep it to ourselves. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.